Today on Ag News Daily. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is the first day of the World Pork Expo held in Des Moines, Iowa. I am Mike Pearson, co-host of Ag News Daily, along with Delaney Howell. Delaney, how's it been so far? It has been super great, Mike. I I love pork. I love all the free food. I love all the people that are here. It's really been an eye-opening or a learning experience. Plus, how does it feel to be a true media personality and to have our own space in the media center at the World Pork Expo? Yeah, that's kind of fun, isn't it? That's We've been running cool. into, uh, we ran into Max Armstrong, a few other farm broadcasters from NAFB. It's that's a it's good. It's a good feeling. It is. It is very neat. We are here in a basically a velvet-lined cell in the <laughs> so. in the uh, in the pork expo. So that is very cool. Now it's it's been fantastic to see how the pork industry has changed so much over the past couple of years. You know, Delaney, I think it's been 15 years since I was last at a pork expo, and oh, man, the amount of data, the amount of of technology that's required in some of these modern barns to produce healthy, wholesome pork is it. It boggles my mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Dad used to raise hogs, and I think we sold out in about March of 2015, so just two years ago. And it's amazing. We had really the latest and greatest building when we built it. We had automated feed feeding system um, in our hoop shed buildings, and I think even now, two years later, we would be totally out of date and have to pour in a lot of money to get the, those buildings back up to industry standards or the latest and greatest technology that some of these companies have to offer. Yeah, nothing's cheap anymore. The capital requirements to get into agriculture and to compete uh, continue to grow. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't seem to be a change that's going to stop anytime soon. No, definitely not. And just for uh, some fun facts for those of you that maybe don't have an interest in attending the World Pork Expo, in 2016 there were 48 countries represented with just over a thousand international guests. This year, 450 companies from around the world will be here. And last year, grand total attendance clocked in at just over 23,000 people, and they're expecting to get those numbers again this year. That is incredible. And I believe it, given the amount of people that are in the booths and mm -hmm. uh, touring the, the varied industries building and seeing all the new technology, I and the weather's perfect mm -hmm. this year. It that is. certainly helps drive some attendance upwards. And Delaney, one of the things that has struck me when I was here last time, I was probably 15 years old. Um, so now as an adult, as we walk down Grand, Grand Avenue, have you ever been to a show where more of the exhibitors had booze? Hmm. The Iowa State Fair, there's usually a lot of people that have booze, but, but you I don't have think to buy so. it. I know. Here, it's it's all complimentary. That's true. Yeah, I don't think I have. It's so if you've never been to the World Pork Expo and you like trying different flavors of alcohol, <laughs> this seems to be a good place to do it. Or food. Or food, of course. There's there's delicious <laughs> food at, at every stand as well. We had uh, we had pulled pork later this afternoon, Delaney. What are we gonna try? I don't know. I don't know if I want to try it. We're going to try pork tongue. It is a dish that is a well-loved around the world. It hasn't really taken off in America. I think the name pork tongue has probably scared some people away. But Yeah, the more I think about it, the more I am not... I'm dreading it. You're gonna love it. And uh, they're, they're doing a, a flavors of pork from around the world. So it's mm -hmm. pork tongue, pork cheek, 
pork jowl and skirt steak. Was that the other, yes, the I fourth think so. one? So we're going to try sample all four of those today sure and are. tomorrow. Yeah. And we will report back. Delaney will give you a report on how it all tastes. <laughs> now, I'm, if I'm I looking don't forward puke it up to it. First. You're not going to puke it up. Maybe. A billion people in Asia subsist on, okay. or at least they enjoy pork tongue. So right. I think you can try it. So now. That's the news from the World Pork Expo. Delaney, <laughs> what's the news from around the world in agriculture? Well, there's always news in agriculture. My dad sent me a article from Twitter. It's great to have sources like that, yeah. isn't it? It's thank not, you, Dale. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Dad. It's not, uh, he didn't tweet it to me because I don't know if he's figured out how to do that, but he at least copied the link and texted it to me. Hey. So I thought that was good. Yeah. But it is regarding the what's been going on with JBS in South America. JBS has now come out and said that they will sell Argentina, Paraguay, and Uruguay operations to Minerva South America for $300 million. They have a lot of debt they need to pay back. They obviously just agreed last week, JNF Investimentos, which is the JBS parent company, settled with federal prosecutors and agreed to pay $3.1 billion in fines. So they decided that they're going to sell off some of their assets in South America to get out of debt a little bit so it looks like they're going to cover about 10 percent of their fine mm -hmm. with this sale uh assuming that jnf investmentos got to keep you know the all the profit right. from the sale uh, but jbs also came out a little bit later in the day and said that none of their north american assets are for sale and really nothing outside of south america is for sale they're going to continue to to keep those factors of their business intact and in fact JBS had a uh, pretty big booth here in the trade show, didn't they? They did, yeah. It, but there's more bad news, sort of. It's not necessarily bad news for JBS, but it's their name is tied to more bad news. We'll put it that way. Uh, Marks & Spencer, a British supermarket chain, said that they have pulled a, a number of corned beef brands from their shelves because that meat has been sourced from a farm in northern Brazil in the state of Para that is using workers as modern-day slaves. And the JBS tie-in is that JBS has previously bought cattle from this farm. They have paid uh, just about $2.3 million in cattle for cattle on this farm. Uh, between 2013 and 2016. They say Brazilian police have discovered uh, the men were forced to live in inhumane and degrading conditions with no shelter, no toilets, and no drinking water. Uh, the prosecutors believe that the workers were in debt bondage, so they were forced Ooh, to work off debt. Right. But normally, Delaney, the way these things are structured, as they I'm sure you've studied, they, yeah. they never get ahead. So, uh, you know, JBS, I don't know if they have purchased any cattle from them recently, but that was why this British supermarket chain has pulled these brands. All right, well, that wraps up the uh, the JBS portion of the news, Delaney. Do we have anything else happening in the, the wider world of agriculture? We do. We've been following the U.S. sugar deal that is going on with Mexico right now. And on Tuesday, so just yesterday, the uh, Commerce Secretary, Wilbur Ross, has said that they're going to go ahead with the sugar deal, even though two of the main groups, which are the American Sugar Alliance and the uh, Coalition for Sugar Reform, have not given their stamp of approval on the new terms and agreements. One of the concerns is that um, with the new loophole, 
It gives Mexico the right of refusal to supply 100% of the extra sugar America needs after April 1st. Hmm. When USDA sets the amount of demand. So that's one of the concerns. Yeah. Yeah, that seems like a pretty big concern. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so now this is a deal that they're hoping to just put in place basically to, to kick the can down the road until we get through NAFTA and Farm Bill? Is that kind of how they're positioning this deal? Well, they're hoping that they can fix the sugar policy in the next Farm Bill in 2018. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that is interesting. We'll have to keep an eye on that. You know, one of the other things, Delaney, that's certainly gotten popular, probably not as popular as sugar, but uh, gotten popular, and of course I've fallen victim to this as well, is the trend of backyard poultry production. Mm -hmm. And um, according to the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, this year more than 370 people have reported salmonella infections from backyard flocks, and a third of them were children under five years old. There have been eight separate outbreaks across 47 states, all originating in backyard flocks of poultry. And as a, as a large-scale duck producer, I understand how this could be because... These You're not a large, so no. Well, I mean, I'm larger than most backyard producers. You have like 10 ducks. I have 10 ducks, but they're they're very fat ducks. Okay. Um, so, you know, big time operator over here, Delaney. And, uh, but I can tell you that, that these birds poop constantly. <laughs> they're just, they're always pooping. So my advice to anybody, if you are in the backyard poultry business, or if you have friends who are and you visit them, wash your hands because undoubtedly, they will have poop on them if you've been around chickens or ducks or backyard turkeys or you name it. Let's help uh, stop this spread of salmonella because the CDC is concerned that these outbreaks could continue for the next several months. Mike, you should be washing your hands regardless of whether or not you're playing with ducks. No. Yeah, yeah. I want to waste water. Oh my god. Of course. I am I am diligent about washing my hands. That is such a great segue into the next story I have to share. Because what do you it's got? about water. Okay. The USDA released drought conditions and according to the USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey, the only extreme drought conditions occurring in the country right now are in kind of the south central Florida, maybe around the Orlando area. Does that look right to you, Mike? Yeah, I'd, I'd call that well, that's central Florida. Let's central call it that. I think it's Orlando. Actually, okay. it looks like it's centered right over Orlando. Yeah. Comes in right to the, the edge of Lake Okeechobee. <laughs> so that's the only extreme drought conditions we're seeing right now, but obviously a lot of the U.S. is being affected by drought, we just aren't seeing those extreme conditions. And actually, I mean, the percentage of the U.S. covered by drought is is probably the smallest it's been in, geez, I'd bet eight years. You think? A little bit. You know, the, the area of concern right now, of course, is that uh, central North Dakota, north uh -huh. central South Dakota, there's yeah. been some reports I've been watching on Twitter. A lot of folks with cattle are seeing pasture conditions quickly deteriorate up in that part of the country. So we'll keep an eye on that. Hopefully, uh, they will be able to get some showers and, and uh, you know, keep their crops and keep their livestock happy. Weren't you just saying something, too, about the weather that's going on in the so, southern states? Or? I wasn't saying this. Noted experts, oh, Elwin okay. Taylor, the Iowa uh -huh. State University Extension climatologist, and a lot of our market analysts, and I, I, I know Mark Gold has said this several times, droughts in the Corn Belt originate 
in the southeast. Mm -hmm. Typically in that Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina area, you know, I wonder if this extreme drought in central Florida is indicative of uh, what we could experience going forward. Mm -hmm. okay. I don't I know, but I'm guessing that the citrus production in Florida is also going to be affected. That's right. If, uh, if you've been watching Trading Places recently and you want to get in on some frozen concentrated orange juice sales, purchases, this might be the time. Have you ever seen Trading Places, no, Delaney Howe? No, oh, That's heartbreaking. Trading Places? Yes. Is it a show? No, it's a movie. Eddie Murphy? Dan Aykroyd? No. It's heartbreaking. <laughs> Heart How can you do a show about the markets <laughs> and not have seen Trading Places? I don't know. Maybe I guess I need to watch. Is it on Netflix? That I don't know, okay. but you can get it. I was going to say at a blockbuster. <laughs> you but can't do really that anymore. Yourself. I know, and I'm not even that old. I mean, what I else? Did, uh, what yeah, else you right. got for news? So, Delaney, in other news, one of the big issues that uh, we'll talk a little bit more about tomorrow with Ken Mashoff, president of the uh, NPPC, is tax reform. President Trump, gosh, two months ago, kicked out that one-page tax reform proposal, and one page. It was one page. Oh, I don't he that. handed it out to everybody in the press pool, oh, or Sean gosh. Spicer did. Yep, and now they're trying to put some meat on those bones. And so President Trump has been meeting with transportation officials, uh, lawmakers, kind of trying to flesh out exactly what is possible. And in the midst of all of this, more than 30 ag groups got together and they wrote a letter encouraging Congress that if they enact comprehensive tax reform, they should not eliminate the interest expense deduction that is currently available for ag businesses. And as a lot of us sit here today in a world of 4 to 6% operating loan interest rates, that's not a huge issue. But should interest rates climb? And think back to the early 1980s mm -hmm. when rates on, on short-term money were, you know, 15, 16, 17%, 22% for the less creditworthy borrowers, 25%, you know, that's a quarter of your income. It helps to be able to write that off in a tight year. So hopefully these uh, these ag groups can, can get that left in. And they addressed this letter to uh, House Ways and Means Committee Chairman Kevin Brady and ranking member uh, Richard Neal. And so Kevin's the Republican from Texas. Neal is the uh, Democrat from Massachusetts. All right. Well, what do you have as far as the markets go, Mike? As far as the markets go, Delaney, we have a lot of green on our screen in the grains today. Looking at the corn market, July corn closed today up seven and a half cents, finished at 384 and three quarters. December corn up six and three quarters cents, finished today at 402 and a half. In soybeans, July beans also up seven and a quarter cents, closed the day at 930 and three quarters. November beans up four cents, finished at 935 and three quarters. Over in wheat, in Chicago wheat, the July contract, whoa, up nine cents. The biggest upward move we've seen in wheat in a little while anyway. Finished the day at 444 and three quarters. December wheat also up nine, closed the day at 480. Now, of course, over in the livestock markets, today was interesting. We usually expect to see some indication of cash cattle price on Wednesdays during the Fed cattle exchange, but due to technical difficulties that really that plagued the exchange all morning, the sale was delayed and then eventually it was postponed until tomorrow. Despite that, there was some reports of cash cattle trading in Nebraska at around 135 on a live basis, so we did see some strength still in the live cattle markets. June live cattle closed today up a dollar, finished at 131.20, still a, a 
four to six dollar basis. August contract up fifty seven and a half cents, closed at one twenty four seventeen and a half. In feeder cattle, we've got red on the screen, but it isn't limit down, Delaney, like it was yesterday. The August contract dropped fifty seven and a half cents, closed the day at one fifty four eighty. September feeders dropped seventy two and a half, closed at one fifty four twelve and a half. Now, as we look down at lean hogs, you would expect, Delaney, first day of the World Pork Expo, there'd be some excitement in the hog markets, wouldn't you think? No, because everybody's here. Uh, everybody's here. That might explain it. We were mixed today in hog trade. The July contract dropped 30 cents, finished at 81.07.5. August hogs dropped 45 cents, closed at 80.72.5. The deferred months, October and December, were both higher, 30 to 37 cents. So we got that uh, little bit of a uh, little bit of a split. I had a different word in my head that's gone. <laughs> Looking over at the milk market, the June Class 3 milk contract dropped $0.08 cents to finish the day at sixteen twenty-nine. Now, Delaney, both dairy and milk are two industries that we have seen a lot more importance pushed onto training. It's vital to train our workers as we grow in size, and for a lot of folks, that's kind of a headache, isn't it? It is, but we're talking to Earl Dotson here in just a little while. He's at the World Pork Expo for Pradium, which is the company he started, and that's spelled P-R-A-E-D-I-U-M, if you want to Google that. It's designed specifically to train and test and record those workers on dairy and pork farms. So let's kick it off to Earl. We're here now at the World Pork Expo in Des Moines, Iowa, joined by Earl Dodson. He is the CEO and starter of Pradium. Earl, why don't you give our listeners a little summary of what Pradium does? Pradium's a, uh, we're a company that uh, is independently owned. We do uh, training is our number one, and then we do a lot of on-farm consulting, on-farm evaluations, and we think it's important uh, to be able to go to the farm help farmers get ready for an audit or whatever it happens piece coming on. We've also got a new piece we're working on is video monitoring, uh, which is really starting to take off. Uh, and I'm convinced after all my years that it's going to be a real important tool for pork producers, dairy producers, whatever it happens to be. Now, what, what type of on-farm training are, are producers needing today? That's, I think that's a great question because uh, you name it, I think they need it. And this is not a slam at producers. They were fully employed before we came on, so you got to do all this training. And some of them just don't have the means or the wherewithal to do it. So what we're finding, a lot of their training is hands-on. I'll show you how to do it, and then I go on about my business. Because they were busy before that. What we're finding, though, is that hands-on, there's no testing, so you don't know if they comprehended it. And then you don't know when they need to be retrained. So that's what we've tried to put together uh, here with a program we call Ag Learning, so that we can make that available to them and, and you don't have to be a rocket science to use it. It's pretty simple. Now you said earlier that you were a former FFA teacher. Is that what fueled your passion or your decision to start this company? It was a big part of it. it uh, training is near and dear to me. And you can imagine when I taught ag for 23 years. Uh, and I think it's important for people that not only to be trained, but to be able to prove that I was trained right. And I think that's what we're trying to do with this company and the side learning pieces. Okay, you're trained, now you're trained right. And then prove it. When somebody says, are your people trained? Well, yes, here, I've got proof. 
We have certificates, we have the tests. So it's really going to help those producers prove that they trained their employees right. Now, the training as it exists today, is it online? Is it book-based? Is it CD-based? How does it work? It's web-based. You have your own private, uh, they call it a, a benchmark. You have your own private place that you go as, as a farm, so no one else gets it. It can be their training. If they've got training already prepared, we can put it up online. It could be our training. We've got a whole set of training on PQA, TQA, and then animal handling, animal behavior, euthanasia, a whole set of training courses. And then, and I'll be honest, in the dairy business, there's a lot of training that they purchased, and they don't have a way to use them, so you can put those up there, and we break them down for them, and it's entirely legal because they purchased it, and it's their private site. So uh, it, it works out very well for them. Is there other companies that do this for either the pork or dairy industry currently? There's lots of companies that do training. Very few do testing. None that I know of do the grading of the tests. Because this this program, when you're done, when the, the person's done with the test, it's graded and sent on email to whoever's in charge. Uh, and I don't know if anybody does tracking. And to be honest, that's been the... Uh, piece that's most interesting to the dairy producer and the pork producer is, okay, when does my next PQA training do? Uh, you know, such things like this. When, when does my next TQA training do? Was that guy trained to euthanize pigs? You know, and when, how long ago was it been? So this way is a reminder, and an email reminder that says, okay, it's time to do John. He's due for his training. Now, one of the things that we've seen in talking to producers around the country is the, the changing role of state regulatory bodies. Um, is, is there a way that Pradium can help producers work within these changing roles of whether it's OSHA, whether it's their, uh, their state DNR, whatever it might be? One of the interesting things we're doing right now is in the state of Wisconsin, with state of Wisconsin dairy producers, they all, if they're a CAFO, they're eligible for OSHA inspections. And one part of that inspection is are you training your employees? And so we're designing a OSHA piece that will be just for Wisconsin dairy producers. So it's taking their manual that they have to train by. We're putting that all basically on, on this program. So it's done for them. They can do it a piece at a time. One other thing I didn't mention, I think it's important, these are done in 20-minute segments. So you're not sitting there for an hour and a half. You've got 20 minutes. If you think about it, your employees, lunch, after work or before work, they'll give you 20 minutes. They don't like to give you three hours. And first of all, I've learned as a teacher, after about 20 minutes, you're not listening much anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, after, so each 20-minute segment is designed basically to step them into the next segment? Yes. Or yes. do they take a test after each 20-minute It can period? be both ways. Okay. Let's take animal handling. Is, we've got animal handling is six segments. Okay. So they'll take all of animal handling, and then they'll take a test. Uh, we've got others that just each segment is a segment. They'll get a test right after that. And you can design it. If they want a test after each one, we can set that up so it happens. So it's pretty much how the producer wants that. So we talked about this a little bit earlier, but a lot of pork producers have employees that are Hispanic or speaks solely Spanish. How do you handle that? Good. Every, every course, every test is done, is done in Spanish. Uh, and it's so all the uh, the verbal everything the, the talks and everything are in Spanish. The tests are written in Spanish. All the powerpoints are in Spanish. Uh, the other thing we've done that I think is really important, especially with some of your Hispanic workers, is if they don't understand the language yet, you can also give the test verbally. So instead of having to make them forced to read a test, we found some of them don't can't. I mean, they're just not able to read those tests, and but they understand. And so rather than embarrass them, we just read the question and say if it's, if it's true, put green. If it's false, mm. hit, the, hit the yellow button. 
Okay. And so That's they take, which is really worked. And we ran onto that in a, uh, we were doing some training and we watched one young man just sit there and, and he was too embarrassed to raise his hand mm -hmm. and say, I don't understand. And this way you saw that problem. There's no reason to embarrass people over, over training. No. It should not happen. Is this program currently in all 50 states or are you geographically centrally located? We're, we're in Urbadale, Iowa, in Des Moines. And uh, we can go to all 50 states. We've got uh, the, in California, New Mexico, and dairies. Uh, we've got a dairy in New York. So we're just starting into pork. Today was our release for pork. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, That's wow. Exciting. All right. So this is a, a new product yep, release here at World Pork, pork Expo. Right. Exactly. I, I've got maybe a silly question for you. I, I dropped Latin when I was in college because I'm not very smart. What does pradium mean? <laughs> pradium means earth. Oh, yeah. okay. Why'd you pick that name for training? I love the, I love the name Pradium. And uh, we had uh, those, they, I had another company that Pradium was a spinoff out of. And, and uh, Pradium will be easily remembered. That makes sense. And yeah. no one else has got it. Yeah, so that's, that's what matters. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. You bet. What, or do other industries recognize Pradium training? I mean, as a whole industry, what weight does that hold? Not much yet okay. because it's so new. Uh, we're working very hard, though, and one of the things that's in the back of our mind is certified training. And to have certified training will be you have to meet certain standards. Each course has to meet a certain standard, whether it's our course or somebody puts it up there, and then you'll have a certified training mark that can go on uh, your websites, mm -hmm. go on your stationery, uh, and it'll take time, uh, but uh, we'll get there. How, how long has Pradium been around? Uh, roughly 12 months. Oh, okay. okay. So, very so in 12 months, you've launched dairy, you've loaded a lot of dairies, their systems onto their own uh, websites, and you've launched hog software. Yep. What's next? Video monitoring. Oh, that's right. That's right. Which is just cameras in the barns? Is that what you're thinking? Yes, uh, we've got, and we're doing this with dairies right now. Okay. We've got cameras in the barns uh, in the areas where you have a lot of animal uh, worker contacts. Okay. And like maternity, like uh, the pushers and, and things like that. Uh, the thing that's been amazing to me is is how it fixes issues. Not only animal welfare, worker, worker issues. And then the other thing is, if you see issues at a high point, implement training and you'll drive them down. And we've got proof now of some of those. We've got dairies been on it over a little, just about a year because that was one of the first things we had. And uh, you can see how their issues have went from what I call... Uh, Nearly, nearly 50% a day, some kind of issue going on, to now it's down to maybe, and this is over four sites, maybe one or two issues. A day. And those aren't bad issues necessarily. Right, it's just, just an issue. Places yeah. where there's room for improvement, uh, and we'll work find, for training. Yeah, and we'll find uh, greasiest acts and get them fixed right away. I think it's so important, don't wait 30 days. Mm -hmm. Get them fixed immediately. So, don't, don't let patterns right. set in. They'll know 24-7, 365 that's being viewed. So, uh, I think it's, to me, I think it's a coming thing. It's a little expensive to set up. But once it's there, man, you've got a total, you've got control. You know what's going on. Earl, where can folks find out about Pradium? How can they get more information if they they're interested? They go to our website, pradiumventures.com, uh, and uh, it's on the web, and you can see everything there is about it. Uh, I think that's the best place to see it. It'll have all the contact numbers and everything like that. So. And it's P-R-A-E-D-I-U-M. That's Pradium. Correct. That's right. Exactly. All right. Exactly. Well, Earl, thank you so much for taking thank the time you. to talk to us today. Appreciate it very much. Thank you. Again, that was Earl Dodson. He was really interesting to listen to and 
I wish I would have had him as an FFA teacher. I know. You could just tell he has a passion for the industry. And as he mentioned in the interview, he's got a passion for training. Mm -hmm. He likes to make sure that, that if folks are doing something, they're doing it right. And in an ag industry, uh, particularly animal agriculture, that is continually under more and more scrutiny by outside groups, the ability to show that we are doing it right, I think it's only going to get more and more important. And of course, the World Pork Expo today, in fact, is when he launched his, uh, his pork training software. So if you're interested, check out Pradium. They are, or at least Earl, is a very, very <laughs> neat guy. So what do we have coming up tomorrow, Delaney? Well, we are talking to Dr. Sunberg. He's at Iowa State University to talk about pork and animal health. And be sure to uh, pay attention to us on Facebook and Twitter. We will be doing some sporadic live events. Mike interviewed a um, gentleman earlier today on Facebook. So be sure to tune in with us there. That's right. And earlier on Facebook, so just to give a shout out, I talked to Gene Peterson, who was with an organization called Go Serve Global. And uh, they take a Sukup manufacturing product. It's effectively an 18-foot grain bin that Sukup has converted into housing. And they have go around the world and build these homes in impoverished communities and places ravaged by uh, disasters. And a uh, fantastic organization. I encourage all of you to check out our Facebook page. You can hear from Gene and hear what they've done specifically. Mm -hmm. But uh, if that's something you've got a passion for, check out Go Serve Global, serve spelled without the E, and uh, I guarantee there's a way for you to lend a hand. That was great, Mike. That was nice of you. With all that being said, Delaney, <laughs> should we let the people go? Let's let them go.